Hey, and welcome back to the Arizona Wildlife Federation podcast. Uh, my name is Michael. I am your host. I am coming to you. Let's see. It is late August. Early archery seasons are in full effect. Uh, dove, grouse, chucker, that's all just around the corner. Uh, so there's a lot going on right now and uh, pretty exciting stuff. And to get you ready for all of these hunting seasons, uh, I am joined today by uh, my friend Josh Kushner, uh, AKA the Dialed In Hunter. We are going to do a, an Arizona backpack hunting gear guide for you. So whether you're a, a hunter or are you're just a backpacker slash hiker, um, this episode's gonna have a lot to offer you. In full disclosure, this one runs a little bit long, uh, you know, but how can it not when you're talking about such fun stuff? Um, also, a uh, fair warning, you're going to hear me ramble on on this one quite a lot because I have a lot to say on the subject. Um, so between Josh and I, uh, there's a lot of experience in this podcast. Uh, so hopefully there's a lot for you to learn um, and gain from it. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. Stick around, listen, um, man, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, with that said, uh, before we get into all that, let's do our announcements from our great conservation organizations here in the state of Arizona. You know, it's fall, things are heating up. There's going to be a lot of this stuff coming at you. So for the sake of keeping things concise, I'm just going to do the September announcements and I'm going to keep them pretty quick uh, for this one. But always uh, check back in our show notes for links where you're going to get more information on this stuff and, and you know, how to get signed up. So let's get going. Uh, Arizona Game and Fish Department, they are hiring an Angler R3 coordinator. So if you are passionate about angling uh, and you are, are passionate about getting other people involved in, in this awesome pastime, this might be for you. And uh, if it's not you, if you know somebody that fits the bill, please pass it along to them. Next up, uh, let's see, from Valley of the Sun Quail Forever. Uh, they've always got good stuff going on. Uh, they are doing a, a kids uh, dove season event at Robins Butte, Saturday, September 3rd. Following on the 4th, they have a veterans and women's event. So check the link for more details on that. It is sure to be a great time. More dove stuff. Arizona Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Uh, they are holding their annual dove championship cook-off uh, in Yuma on September 3rd. I believe they still have two spots available for that cook-off. So if you are... Uh, Fancy yourself a good cook and have something to offer there by all means. Uh, yeah, jump in. There's some great prizes and it is a good time. Uh, they're also going to be having a hunt as well. So look for that. While you're down there, I believe same weekend, Yuma Valley Rod and Gun Club are having their annual barbecue and, and fundraising banquet. So have a look at that and consider joining in there, buying a table. Sticking with the Dove theme. Oh, <clears throat> actually, I just want to throw this in myself. My buddy, Jess Warner has uh, the Arizona Afield podcast. If you have not listened to this podcast, you're going to want to check it out. Uh, he is a great host, has a lot of great guests on covering all subjects, outdoors and Arizona sporting. And um, yeah, he's got a, uh, this most recent episode is a Yuma dove hunting episode. So if you're interested in getting down to Yuma and hunting some doves and check it out, it's a good one. I promise you won't be disappointed. Let's see. I think I'm going to wrap that up there oh 
one other thing uh, I'm going to only mention this because the RSVP is open it's going to fill up fast so if you're interested uh, I want you to have the opportunity to get signed up and that is the Arizona Backcountry Hunters and Anglers is teaming up with the Arizona Wildlife Federation for uh, the annual family squirrel camp this year is going to be held up here north near Mormon Lake it is so much fun it's my favorite event every year uh, everyone is welcome, whether you're a novice or experienced, uh, whether you're single or you have a family in tow, uh, bring them all. It is a good time. Uh, I love it. I'm going to be there. I'd love to see you there. So check out that link and uh, get signed up and hopefully we'll see you there. All right. With that, please enjoy this conversation with Josh Kushner, the dialed in hunter. Uh, it is, it's a fun one. I had a blast. So I hope you enjoy it. Listen to it. Thanks. See you after the show. All right, I'm here with Josh Kirshner, the Dialed In Hunter. Uh, Josh is a, I, don't, I would call you, I would call you kind of a, a famous guy here in Arizona anyway, at least locally. <laughs> you, you would, yeah. I, I would. Well, all right. It's my, it's my show, Josh. That's <laughs> fine. You're famous. <laughs> um, all right, let's, uh, let's hear a little bit about you. Where are you from? How'd you get into hunting? And uh, yeah, all that jazz. Yeah, so... Um, blessed to grow up like a lot of kids at least I that's wishful thinking really a lot of kids that have a dad that hunts and fishes Mm -hmm. right uh that's how I got into all this um I remember being a kid and my dad had this uh gun box that he made and he would have hunting magazines and fishing magazines in it so that's kind of my first exposures to all this um and back then we lived in New York and so fishing was really all I was ever exposed to back there Uh uh-huh and I used to go fishing with my dad a lot. And then we moved out west to be with my mom's family. And then, I mean, my world just exploded. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I had never gone camping before. And I finally got to go sleep out in the woods. And it was just this, like, really cool experience that I was reading about in these magazines that my dad had. Mm-hmm. And um, up until my mid-20s, it was more of a, you know, yearly go on the annual deer hunt thing with yep. dad, which was awesome. I loved that. I looked forward to that every single year. And then when I got older though, you know, mid twenties, I'm like, gosh, I, I want to do this more, you know, mm-hmm. like I want to do this more and more and, and like, actually maybe I can try to like get good at it and actually know what I'm doing, you know, <laughs> like, so, uh, cause full disclosure, like we were never successful back when I was a kid. It was just, <laughs> so I learned the full meaning yeah. of a hunt is more than a kill. Oh yeah. As a child, I remember those days, you know what I mean? So, and it was, and it was all good, but yeah, so just dove in head first. And then the more that I went out, uh, you know, I'd always be going on these coffee dates, like much like we're on right now, we're sitting here talking to my friends and stuff. They'd want to hear about these hunts and everything. And I was like, gosh, dang it. I'm spending a lot of time away from, from home, just going on these talks, yeah. you know? So I decided, Hey, I'm going to write, I'm going to start a blog and maybe you know, what I can do with that is be incredibly transparent mm-hmm. and hopefully offer a, a, a view into hunting that isn't seen through commercial media. Right. Because like a lot of us, when I was a kid, I took in a lot of, you know, I watched all the real tree shows and stuff like that. And it was awesome, you know, but in 26 minutes, you would see four bucks die. Right. And then when me, little old Josh goes out and like wants to go hunting and I don't see a freaking buck for four days, I'm like, do I really suck at this or something? Like, what am I doing wrong? When in all reality, it was just, that's just how it is. It's normal. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to like 
be the guy that said, Hey, Oh, you had a tough hunt. Yeah, me too, dude. You know, like this is how it's supposed to be. And that blog was called dialed in hunter. And honestly, I didn't, I didn't, it's still active today, but i never knew anyone was reading it. Mm -hmm. And apparently people were reading it. And sooner or later, um, I started getting an email from this editor and an email from this editor and wanting me to write stories for their publications and stuff. And it just kind of snowballed. And now, like, as I sit here right now, like, writing freelance writing and content creation is my full-time job in the hunting industry it's something i never planned to do ever it just kind of happened and i ran with it that's awesome yeah i I can say that i have been following josh um uh, for a few years now at least um and 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 you are transparent you've done a really good job of that so it's like i feel like i've i've watched you grow as a hunter and man you you you've excelled you've gotten a lot better over the years you've gotten better with your content as well not that not that it was ever poor that's not sure. what i'm trying to say yeah yeah but you are transparent so it is easy to see and, and like watch your journey i think that's i think that's one of the you know the, the qualities of what you do yeah no i appreciate that that's that's the goal you know like people know like this is how it is and you screw up i screw up and yeah. we all screw up but we're all out there to have a good yeah, time a lot yeah you yeah. talk about those younger days and i didn't have the dad i, I was out there figuring out on my own with my buddies mm-hmm. occasionally but mm-hmm. i was lucky to live on the edge of town so i could i could make little excursions you know when i was learning to squirrel hunt and then that turned into getting a bow and archery hunting and hell no we were not successful <laughs> <laughs> we hunted seasons after seasons without getting close to deer oh, yeah. um, and then when we did you know i'd, I'd shake so hard i just come to pieces and fling an arrow off somewhere <laughs> Oh yeah. Away from the deer. But, um, but yeah, I remember those magazines and I'd scrounge them up. My mom would pick them up for me at yard sales and things. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I value that, that that's the way I, I did it. You know, yeah. I don't know what it's like for kids today, but uh, it, it's, it like part of me sees like, I, cause I see, you know, you see a lot of kids on social media and stuff like that with these awesome dads, you know, that have all this figured right. out yeah. and these kids start out with, yeah, their first buck is like a Man. ninety inch coos deer or whatever, you know. I was like, What the heck, dude? Right, like right. I remember being a kid and like longing to miss. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to pull my bow back and oh, yeah. miss. And yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> See an animal and have a shot opportunity. Yeah. It's just god thrilling. Yeah. But you know, it's it's funny because with my little boy now, he'll be ten in time for uh, you know, our 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 twenty twenty three Havelina season mm-hmm. in, in January and February. Um, so that's his opportunity for his first tag. And now granted, I'm not that cool. Dad's got it figured out. It's like just racking up big bucks and, and yeah, bulls, yeah. but, um, he certainly has a ton of opportunity to get out and do things that a lot of kids don't get to do because, sure. because he's got me for a dad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wonder, I question myself, am I doing it right? Should, mm-hmm. should I, should, should I make him like scrabble the hard way for it? Um, cause it, it, it meant so much to me and I feel like I got so much value from that, but right. I, I don't know, man. I do. I feel the same way. So like I, my daughter, she's two now uh-huh. and she's definitely shows interest. Like she comes outside with me when I shoot my bow and she has her little suction cup bow and yeah. stuff. So I know she's going to be out there with me. And I wonder about that, what you're talking about, about should I like really lay things out for her, you know, and really, really like. I don't want to say hand her success because you want to see your kids be successful, mm-hmm. right? You want to see, like, yeah. I would be more stoked than she would if she's, you know, the first deer she shoots or whatever. Right. Um, or do you make them like kind of go through yeah, the motions, yeah. right? And like watch them. Like I, so I, so I do a lot of bear hunting and, um, some, that's actually what, why you and I started talking in the first mm-hmm. place. You got yeah. yeah. And, uh, so I brought a first time route a couple years ago. And this is just a really cool story. Like I brought him out a couple years ago and 
he was really excited about the bear thing and took him through the whole process. Like he came out scouting for me. This is for fall bear hunting. Okay. We went out scouting in the spring, kept going all the way through early summer, took him through the fall, like watching food sources and stuff like that. And he Mm -hmm. learned a lot, but then come time for hunting season, uh, the food wasn't there. It just, it just didn't happen. As, as you know, like this is very dependent on rainfall. Mm -hmm. So, that hunt was a bust, you know, and he, and I, and at the end of the hunt, I was like, well, you can't just go waltzing in here, your first bear hunt and just shoot a bear. Right. You know what I mean? You got to have a little bit of struggle. So the next year we went back same, same area this year, the food was there though. And I didn't tell him this, but as we're walking in on that first morning, I'm like, yeah, we're going to, this is going to happen. You know what I mean? Just like seeing sign and seeing yeah. all the acorns and stuff like that. And uh, later that night, he shot his first bear and, uh, and had to go through this like crazy pack out process right. down the bottom of this deep, dark hole in the dark, you know, processing this bear and climbing out and not knowing how to get out of this canyon. Just that whole experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was so as as important as that bear was to him. I think that experience as a whole was much, much bigger than that bear itself, mm-hmm. you know, and it really just like solidified his love for doing this stuff. Yeah, man, I, I agree. I think anyone that pursues anything in the outdoors knows the struggle and yeah. they know the value of the struggle and, and, and how much sweeter the reward is after a struggle. That is not to say that I don't appreciate getting a bone thrown to me from time to time because I do. Right. I like it when it comes easy sometimes, yeah. but uh, for the most part. Yeah, I mean the struggle just it just it adds to the adventure, it adds to the excitement, it adds to the reward. Yeah, there's value there yeah. for sure. All right, um, all right. Well, <clears throat> to set things up here, um, so we could talk, we could talk about Josh all day and what he does. Um, I, I will just say here that he is a very thoughtful, generous hunter, willing to help anybody. He's helped me. Uh, he's helped many people I know. So he's a, he's a great dude. If you don't follow Dial-In Hunter, um, by all means do so. And we'll talk more about what Josh does before we wrap this up and where to find that stuff. But uh, what we're here today um, to try to narrow down a focus. Um, I picked uh, kind of an Arizona backpack hunting gear guide. And the reason I did that is, one, because it's of a, a lot of interest to me, and Josh is particularly good at it. Um, and in this case, you're going to have to listen to me ramble on more than often because this is something I'm, I'm very interested in and have a lot of opinions on. Um, and I'm going to throw out my bona fides cause I'm going to, I'm going to refer back to them, um, a time or two, I'm sure when I'm referring to gear, but back in 2000, a long, long time ago, um, I hiked the Appalachian trail. So that was from Georgia to Maine through the Appalachian mountains, about 2,500 miles. Um, it took about five, five and a half months, but man, back then the gear was totally different, you know? <laughs> um, uh, I, I, you know, I slept under just a plain tarp, you know, mm. it wasn't like a floorless shelter. It was a tarp. Um, but then in 2008, I hiked from Mexico to Canada along the continental divide, completely different animal. That was an amazing trip, uh, better gear, better equipment, a lot, very similar to what, what we're dealing with today. Um, so I've got a lot of, a lot of strong opinions on gear and, and, and how to do this in a way that's, that's rewarding and, and works. But, um, Josh does too, and he's been doing it with hunting for a long time now. So I thought Josh that I would kind of like go down, um, a, a list that I keep that I kind of, I just keep in my phone and I check it off every time I go on a trip to make sure I didn't forget anything. And I, I get your opinions on equipment, how it relates to hunting in Arizona and our conditions, our region, that sort of thing. Sure. So that sound like it'll work? Yep. Awesome. All right. In that case, let's start with packs. Um, 
I, uh, you know, I should have brushed up on the names of all my gear, <laughs> um, but I carry a Seacott side pack. Um, what, what I look for in, in a hunting pack, um, is different than what I look for in just a regular backpacking pack. Cause I need more space. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to haul meat out. Not only that, I need a frame, a rigid frame that's going to carry a hundred pounds. Right. Um, that's something you, you just don't need for regular backpacking. So, uh, my gear selection, there's a little bit different. I carry one from Seek that I like. It's made out of a waterproof material, so it keeps me from having to carry a rain fly. Maybe I would if I live somewhere that rained a little bit more, but I've never had an issue here in Arizona. But, um, yeah, it, it, it folds up real nice. And, you know, one of the things about hunting with a pack is even if it's, you know, you're out for the day, you usually got a big pack on your back because you, you can have, need that option if you're, gonna, if you're successful and need to get meat out. So you need a pack that packs down to a small size, is comfortable, that you can shoot a bow in, you can hike all day in it, doesn't chafe or anything, so you got to be used to it. It's got to fit you well. Um, but it's got to carry big loads and expand. Uh, you know, I'd say at least, what, 400 cubic inches? What do you think? Uh, it's, uh, well, let me, let, let me let me back up okay. there for a second. Um, so when I give you my spiel on backpacks, when I, when I look for a backpack, um, you mentioned the importance of being able to expand. I think it's important to specify that um, expanding uh, in width is not mm-hmm. something that I'm interested in. Okay, good point. Just because of staying for for hunting, staying like more low profile on the side, so you're not right. brushing up against stuff. Um, I think it's super important. It makes it more streamlined. Um, but um, so for for carrying meat, I look for a backpack that detaches from the frame. Okay. There's a lot of packs out there that do this. It's kind of become a standard on hunting packs. Yep. It's like. And the reason they do that is because they, that the meat is the heaviest load in the backpack, whether you are backpacking or you're day hunting, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And, you, and so it's essential for, for weight distribution that you really want to have the heaviest weight in the backpack closest to your back. Correct. Right. Um, and so uh, pack, in terms of pack size... Um, I think I get a lot of questions about this because these are expensive, right? Like backpacks oh, yeah. are expensive. Absolutely. So like, they're like, Oh, what's, what size backpack should I get? Or what cubic inch pack should I get? And I think a good rule of thumb to follow now, all of us are a little bit different, right? Like some people bring the kitchen sink with them, right? Some people are incredibly minimalist and they, they mm-hmm. don't even bring a shelter. Um, I think a good rule of thumb to follow though is a thousand cubic inches for every day that you you plan to be out most of the time, right? So like I, most of the time I carry a 5,000 cubic inch pack because mm-hmm. most of the time I'm backpack hunting for about five days. I can get eight, nine days out of that backpack though if I really stretch it, yeah. you know? So I think having a nice round number like that is a good place to start. Um, and then on top of that, I like having a backpack that ha- is uh, hydration capable, that has an area um, where uh, your bladder can actually go. I'm a bladder guy. I don't know about you. Some guys are Nalgene guys. I'm a bladder guy. Are I you? used to be a Nalgene guy. I always like to carry at least one bottle for ease of filling up in yeah. tough spots. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I drink more yeah. when I have a bladder. I just do. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Because it's right there, easy mm-hmm. access. Um, but I like having it away from everything else because I'm always fearful. I've had it happen in the past, right, yeah, you know, like yeah. little connector comes loose or something like that. Mm-hmm. Bottom of your backpack's wet. Yep. 
Um, so the backpack I use has a, the, the, where the water bladder sits, it's actually fairly waterproof. So mm -hmm. it protects everything in there. So, um, yeah, I mean, in general, that's what I look for in a backpack, uh, outside of the pack Cordura, um, I forget the exact uh, thread count and stuff like that, but just like you pretty dang waterproof and I don't carry a rain flight either. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that only works here. That's, and that's what, but, yeah. <laughs> um, no, you brought up a lot of good points um, that, that, you know, saying them, I, I know well and I agree with, but I didn't think of, um, you know, for instance, I do carry my water bladder in, in a separate pocket on the front of the pack mm -hmm. um, because of, of what you just said. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I've had that happen. You know, yeah. I've had small leaks in, in, in here and there. But uh, let's see, what else did you mention? I, I like the whole the width thing. That's a really good point, especially when you're wearing a pack just – you know, on a day hunt, you mm -hmm. just got to throw in your bag and leave it there. You know, you might have a jacket in and that's it. Right. Um, it's important that it's not catching on brush and encumbersome to you while yeah. you're hunting. So, yeah, really good points. Um, the only thing I would add there is I think the biggest mistake new backpack hunters do is overpack. I, yeah. I'm, I'm more on the minimalist, sure. minimalist side. Um, and they get these giant, heavy packs. Mm -hmm. And then they, they load them up. And... Um, you know, a lot of people, if they have that space, they're going to find something to put in that space. So oh, you're yeah. taking too much stuff. Oh, yeah. And then how are you supposed to get, you know, 100 pounds of meat out on yeah. top of your 70 pounds of gear? Yeah. Which is not going to happen. Yeah, the, the two pairs of pants, it's not worth it. Right. right. <laughs> um, but, uh, it, well, yeah, we'll get to that, too. You know, uh, what to take. Or, you know, everybody's going to be different on this stuff. Everybody's right. going to have different opinions. But, right. yeah, lightweight is important to me. Um, and there are companies that build lightweight packs that are mm -hmm. still capable of handling a big load of meat. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that's what I look for. Mm -hmm. But yep. Okay, moving on then. Um, let's talk about shelters. Um, there are a variety of shelters. I mentioned way back when, you know, I slept under a tarp. And I had some miserable nights. Driving rain, it's going to get under there. You know, mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. when, when it's hot enough for mosquitoes, it's too hot to get <laughs> completely covered up in your sleeping bag. I've had some terrible, terrible nights. I've woken up uh, with, you know, 30 mosquitoes in a head net and my lips just swollen <laughs> oh, up. Um, That's a nightmare. But, uh, uh, but th th the good thing is times have changed. There's mm -hmm. some great shelters out there. I still prefer a floorless shelter. Um, one, because of weight. Uh, two, because... I don't know, man. I've just never found it necessary. Mm -hmm. um, but I couple that with uh, a ground cloth. Now, when I was younger, um, I used Tyvek. I used Tyvek then. I used Tyvek now. But when I was younger, I would just beg, borrow, and steal from construction sites. There you go. I'd see guys out, and I'd ask for yeah. a piece of Tyvek. Um, but in my adult life, I bought a roll, mm -hmm. and uh, I've never regretted it. I've got a lifetime supply of Tyvek now. Dude, I'm the same. I uh, I bought uh, a, a very fancy piece of Tyvek from uh, what was it? There's a ten Sierra Designs, I think, so uh -huh. was selling them, yeah. and it's uh, I I paid like twelve dollars, <laughs> um, and that thing has been with me for years, and I just fold it up, and yeah. that's what I same. that's what I use. I use it for, um, uh, so so I the the floorless discussion is interesting, uh, especially here in Arizona. So um, I love floorless. Mm -hmm but I very rarely do it in Arizona. Yeah. Uh, just, just because of the experiences I've had in Arizona. <laughs> um, so for me, when it's hot, um, particularly above 50 degrees at night, a lot of the country that I hunt in has chiggers. Uh -huh. Okay. And I have been absolutely blasted by chiggers in the past. So because of that, I will not do floorless in the warmer months in Arizona. Really? Yeah. No, it just, it's not, there's no, it's not a discussion yeah. for me. 
um, I'll carry the extra three, four ounces for the floor. Right. You know, um, now in other state, other places, like I go like, you know, Idaho, September elk or something like Mm -hmm. that, or, um, I'm, or some later season stuff in Arizona, you know, January archery deer, I'd run floorless in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, but when it's warm, no, no, no. <laughs> well, another reason I prefer floorless is, well, one, I, I want a lightweight shelter. Sure. Um, the, the, the three main areas you can save weight on a backpacking kit is your pack, your shelter and your sleeping bag. Yep. Um, so I like a light shelter and I think, you know, and, and you know, by all means, if, if you want a floor, if you want a tent, use that, you know, yeah. whatever you're comfortable with, just don't go overboard where you're miserable carrying I, everything around. Here's the interesting part about all that though. It's a, it's a give and take situation, right? So like with a floorless shelter, what you gain is you gain, you, it's more ultralight, right? Mm-hmm. But you also gain more space. A lot more space. Yeah. You've got a lot more living room in a floorless mm-hmm. shelter. And with hunting equipment that, that matters. Exactly. So, and, but then if you want the security of the floor, yes, you can get a comparable weight. So the, just to give, throw some numbers out here. Um, the tent that I've been using with a floor, one man shelter, it's a right at two pounds. Like it might be like mm-hmm. 1.8 or something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a coffin. Mm-hmm. It's you, there's no. I mean, there's a little bit of room on the sides, maybe to put your phone. Yeah, that's about it. The floorless shelter that I have is 1.2 pounds, and it fits two people and gear. Oh yeah, yeah. So like a lot, a, a, a lot, a lot extra room. So. Right. Yeah. I used a sill nylon uh, uh, shelter by Six Moon Designs on the Continental Divide. Um, and I've never found one liked it. I loved it. It was 13 ounces. And what I loved about it is I could pitch it an inch or so off the ground, mm-hmm. or I could pitch it tight to the ground, or I could pitch it, you know, three, five inches above the ground. Mm-hmm. So I had airflow. Mm-hmm. But all around it, it had a shallow mosquito net that cupped under. Oh, oh it was wonderful. I mean, I had, you know, nights with just horrid mosquitoes, never had a problem with that shelter. And it was 13 ounces. That's amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, but another reason I do like that floral shelter is one, it's light. Yeah. And when I am out, I, I don't use it half the time, especially here in Arizona. I usually just throw out my Tyvek, throw my sleeping bag on top of it and sleep right there. And mm-hmm. I, I sleep like a baby like that. I know not everybody's going to be comfortable, mm-hmm. but, but I certainly do. So, so that shelter for me, it doesn't need to take up much space because I primarily I'm using it when it's raining or it's cold. I, I, I think another, uh, something else that really tipped me off that was a selling point to me of floorless shelters is this is more of just a, a convenience and it's just kind of nice mm-hmm. is you can just roll over, fire your stove up and start making coffee right there in the shelter. Oh, I know. Oh gosh. You know, we could go here too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you don't necessarily have to get out of the shelter to relieve yourself in the middle you, of the night either. You can just you, lift up the side of the shelter and roll over. Very true. You don't have to, uh, when your buddy is sitting next to you, I, I I'm just, I'm not going to, fire hose that guy you know what i mean but <laughs> but <laughs> you can absolutely do that if you want. right right okay um yeah I, I should i should probably throw in the caveat there that i typically you know i, I backpack by myself or at least <laughs> sleep in my own shelter alone yeah so, um all right so that that kind of covers shelters packs ground cloths um and uh yeah i don't think we left much out there yeah mosquitoes are going to be an issue with a floorless design unless you get a design that incorporates some kind of mosquito protection which even in Arizona, I recommend because oh, mosquitoes will make or break your night. You're not going to hunt well um, if you're not well rested. So yeah, um, let's talk about sleeping pads. Yeah, man. Throw those in there. Um, for years, I was way too tough to get 
an inflatable sleeping pad. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I, I held off for so long and I, I did good. I, I used a closed cell foam, mm-hmm. you know, um, you used to be able to get them at Walmart and they're blue, but 30, then you can get like Ridgerest and things bucks, like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I held off forever just thinking it's like, man, that's like admitting I'm getting old. It's admitting I'm soft. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, uh, my wife got one and I started using it and I got my own. But they're they're so light now and, and relatively durable. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a convert now. It's so the I had a uh, an experience, which led me to buy my first inflatable sleeping pad because just like you, I was too I was too tough, and I used the big <laughs> the closed cell foam pad for for a while, um, and uh, so I had a real cold night one time. And it was like, you know, you're sitting there shivering. You're trying yeah. to run inside of your sleeping bag, you mm-hmm. know, just keep warm and stuff like that. Um, it was like 10 degrees that night, you know. And so ever since then, th- those closed cell foam pads, the R value on them is not that big. I believe it's most of them. It's like one point something, right. um, which is for anyone that doesn't know, R value is the insulation value of a sleeping pad. Um, and how that works is basically it just insulates you from the ground. The ground's cold. Right. You know, um, if you don't have anything in between, because another common comment is, oh, well, why don't you use a sleeping uh, or a, a pool toy, you know, like that you would lay on in the pool, right? Oh. Like one of those. I can foresee a lot of issues with that. That's right. heavy too. Oh, for <laughs> sure. For yeah. sure. But it's like, well, there's no insulation there. Yeah. So it's not doing anything. So, um, so yeah, after that night I went and I got a inflatable pad, uh, with like a R value of like 3.5 or whatever. Right. And I have been... I've used that same sleeping pad probably for six, seven years. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and I mean, it's yeah, been they awesome. roll up to the size of a Coke can. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, they're amazing. I mean, totally. backpacking equipment has come it, so far in the last it, decade. Especially if you take care of it. Like, I hear a lot of guys complain about, oh, yeah, I popped one and blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. But like, if you're careful and you use something like Tyvek, mm-hmm. like, I've never popped one. I don't want to, oh. like, like, got wood right here, knock on wood. But like, I, I've, I still to this day have not done that. I think that comes down to a personality type. Mm. Um, I'm a little type A, a little anal retentive, some might call me. Um, and I take great care in my campsite choice yep. and how I pitch my stuff. Mm-hmm. My tent is always going to be taut. It's always going to be perfect. It's going to be ironclad no we matter are, what comes through. We are the same. And then I got buddies that they pitch their tent. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> it's all sagging on one side yeah. and lopsided. And then a storm comes in and it blows away. So yeah. I, I think it's a personality type thing. Just take care of your equipment. Yeah. Be careful, careful with it. You won't have trouble. Absolutely. All right. That brings us to sleeping bags. Um, all I can say here is I like down, especially out West here. Mm-hmm. Nothing is as light. Nothing is as warm. I, I just, I, I crawl into my sleeping bag and it, it like, it literally takes me back to so many wonderful places. And, <laughs> and I, I love it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, the only caveat with down is I use a dry bag. I use like a sea to summit mm-hmm. roll top dry bag to keep it in. Cause sure. that's the one thing that is your one you know, kind of, I don't want to say it's your only protection against hypothermia in a bad situation. I mean, hopefully your clothes, rain gear, and things like that. But, I mean, if you need to get warm, mm-hmm. um, you know, your sleeping bag, it's it's imperative. You know, yeah. you, you have to have that. So it's important to take care of that and keep it dry, especially if you're running like us without a rain fly. Yep. Um, so what are your thoughts on bags? Um, so I'm just like you. I, I don't think there is a uh, material out there that is as efficient as down for mm-hmm. insulation. I mean, it is especially, and especially you get into like the higher, 
you know, like the, the definitely bigger, bigger plumes and stuff like that. There's 950 sure. fill, 800 yeah. fill, super warm, super fizzy, super comfortable. Um, I, the only thing that I do a little bit different is, is up until about, you know, November or so mm-hmm. I'm usually, I usually run a quilt. Yeah. Uh, for me. So, and that is for anyone that doesn't know what the quilt, how, how the quilt is set up and it, how it functions is it basically, I mean, it's a quilt. It's pretty self-explanatory. There's no bottom to it. Mm-hmm. And the thinking behind that is a sleeve or sleeping pad is your insulation on the bottom. And then, so you essentially save weight from not having a bottom to your sleeping bag right. that is zipper. that you're compressing down and which is once you compress down it's complete it's, it's not Wasted. it's completely useless it's not uh, there's no insulation there so the only downside i've found with a quilt it doesn't have a hood i really like having a hood on a mummy bag put yeah. your pillow in there um or whatever you're using your jacket for a pillow um and uh but when it gets cold cold um, I, I have friends that run quilts in cold, cold weather, mm-hmm. and they don't have any complaints. But for me, I don't know, man. I like being in, like, a nice little mummy sack. You know what I mean? It just makes me feel – I feel like it insulates pretty good. So Yeah, I hear you. I, I've not owned one. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the idea because, I mean, hell, that's how I use my bag yeah. most of the time. You know, unless it's super cold out, I'm just throwing it over me. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I should probably look into them. What degree rating do you usually go with? So, so I do a 20-degree quilt, mm-hmm. and then the bag that I have is a 10-degree ten okay. bag. Yeah, yeah so. I've got – I've got mine is – I have a 15-degree uh, – oh, oh, I forget. I forget what the brand name is. Marmot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 850 filled down. Uh, my wife, she has a zero degree, um, again, probably 850, 900 degree down bag. And these are expensive, you know, oh, yeah. so you want to, you want to take care of this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but the funny thing is m- my bag fits me better than my wife's. So I've used my wife's and I will shiver all night in that thing. And mine, I love it. And it's mm. a lower degree rating, but I think it's just because of the way it fits. Yeah. With hers, I'm kind of squishing in there, compressing that. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point, man. Like, if your bag is either too um, tight around the sides or it's not long enough, you're not going to get the insulation uh, out of that. So, yeah. Yeah, and and folks should know that as far as bags go, I think like 20 degrees is kind of considered the all around uh, bag. But, you know, with hunting, it's taken us into colder seasons too. Mm -hmm. And when a lot of people just backpack and they're not going out. And I mean, Uh, and you can, and you can, finagle with this too like like a 20 degree bag i mean essentially so pretty much that means before i go into this is a 20 degree bag generally means it's not you're not going to be comfortable to 20 degrees you're gonna be cold (laughs) yeah (laughs) you'll be comfortable usually down to 30 like that's a good rule of thumb 10 degrees over the Mm -hmm. rating um but there's ways to finagle this you know what i mean you can do stuff like add a liner to your sleeping bag which can add another five to ten degrees of warmth to that right Mm -hmm. or you can you know in some of these like really colder hunts i i pack puffy pants with me yeah you know and you can wear those to bed like so you can you can kind of get a little bit more warmth out of these bags so you save weight on your sleeping bag because like you're saying it's the part of the big three right like you got the sleeping bag backpack you know right. like the shelter like these areas where you can really save weight and yeah. um yeah so well two two comments uh before we move on um one again i, I want to warn against just because we're sitting here saying yeah 20 degree bag's not going to keep you cold or warm down to 20 degrees that doesn't mean that a, a 10 below zero bag is the right way to go right because you're you're carrying way more bulk yep. than you need right you know um and then an, a comment on uh um, liners. Uh, let's see. I, I carried a silk liner for a while, mm-hmm. and the thing I loved about it. And this is back in Missouri. Um, 
one, it, it keeps your bag cleaner, mm-hmm. um, which is good because you don't want to wash down more than you have to. Sure. Um, and it, God, it's such a pain to dry too. Oh, it takes it's... forever. But um, <laughs> yeah. So you want to take care of that. You want it to last a long time. They're expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that liner will help keep it clean. And where most of the dirt that's going to you know, eventually affect the loft of down is that grease and oil coming out of your body. So that mm-hmm. they're a good idea. Um, the only reason I don't like them is just having another layer in there to get tangled up in. I'm telling you, yeah, when, especially when you, you know, you got to get up, take a leak at night. Mm-hmm. You have, there's this whole nother thing there right. that you have to deal with. <laughs> but I will say the best thing about them is when it gets so hot that you can't even get in your sleeping bag and the mosquitoes are out buzzing. Yep. You can get in that silk mm-hmm. <laughs> liner and they can't bite through it. Yep. Yeah, I've slept on gravel bars just covered in mosquitoes and, and a silk liner with sound, no trouble. Again, so. sounds like a nightmare, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> You've been in the Southwest your whole life, man. Yes, I have. Uh, there's mosquitoes here, but not like in other parts of the country. Right. All right, so we got our shelter, we got our ground cloth if needed, um, sleeping pad, sleeping bag, uh, sleeping. Okay, let's do this. Um, I don't carry a pillow. Um, yep. I will take a stuff sack and mm-hmm. whatever clothes I'm not wearing go in that stuff sack. Yeah. Um, and I almost always have something cause I always carry a pair of long, um, synthetic underwear with and a shirt and a bottom. That way I always have something dry to put on. Mm-hmm. The only time I wear, I very rarely wear it, especially here in South Arizona cause mm-hmm. I only wear it when it's super cold, mm-hmm. but I always have something dry that I can get into this warm. So with that, I almost always have a pillow too cause mm-hmm. I have that shoved in a, in a stuff sack. So. Yeah, I, um, I've done all of the above. Mm-hmm. I've done the, what you're saying. I've done, uh, you know, there's some jackets on the market that stuff down into their own pockets and make pillows out of them mm-hmm. use that. Um, if you are just really trying to be a weight weenie, yeah, go ahead. You know what I mean? Especially the jacket thing. Cause that's something that you're going to have with you anyways. Right. right? Um, you're not adding anything else. Um, there is a pillow, uh, if you don't mind, I'll add, a, I'm not affiliated with this company at all, but a Sea to Summit uh, Eros pillow. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's like one or two ounces and it is about, it's a shade bigger than a five hour energy. Yeah. Okay. I got that. It's an inflatable pillow. It's super small. You can stuff it down into wherever the hell in your backpack. Just a game changer for sleeping, man. Like I, it's yeah. I I don't go anywhere without that thing. Well, Josh, I'm just a little too hard for that. Yes, you so. are. Yes, uh, <laughs> I'll just be over here with the flowers. No, I'm sure I'll cross that line. You know what's frustrating is I'll still like when I'm going car camping with the family. Uh-huh. I'll do what I always do. I just have some stuff in a in a, in a bag yeah. and I put mm-hmm. my head on it. But my wife insists on taking a pillow. Mm-hmm. And then it's like I'll end up middle of the night like trying to lay my head on her pillow. <laughs> so <laughs> I see I see the value of it. But again, way too hard for that. That's yes. All right. Um Start. I think that covers that covers our shelter, that covers our pack, that that covers our sleeping arrangement. Are we leaving things out that just because we don't use them that you can think of? Uh, well I mean there's I mean, there's water purification. There's... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, no, we're going to go down that line. I'm talking oh, okay. just for sleeping and shelter. Oh, sleeping. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, we're, we're not done here, uh, <laughs> Michael. Um, no, I think that's that's pretty good. Okay. We covered it. All right. Well, tell you what, let's, let's move on to cooking. Yeah. Uh, feeding yourself. Um, definitely a lot of different directions to go here. Yes. Um, while I still consider myself a minimalist, I'm not that minimal because I know guys that are really hardcore that only eat cold food, yeah. bars, granola, things like that. Yeah. I like to cook. At the Me. end of a long, cold day, nothing warms you up like a big hot pot of mac and cheese. Same. But for me, man, this is a tough one because I've like 
I've done this for so long in my shed along one of the top shelves or long shelf. I have a whole series of backpack pots and stoves that go throughout the years. So mm -hmm. you can see the evolution of, of this equipment. But so it's a hard thing to like nail down, but I'll put it this way. I started with an old MSR, a uh, liquid fuel stove mm -hmm. I'd burn on white gas, burn on kerosene, yep. burn on gasoline. Um, and it was great, heavy, but great. Mm -hmm. Um, but it burned hot, man. So mm. there was no simmering. It wasn't really cooking. You were just heating things up. Yeah. Then I went to alcohol stoves. Mm. And I still love alcohol stoves, even though very few people use them. And this is just burning, like, denatured alcohol in kind of the... I mean, people make uh, stoves out of soda cans. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I got a little fancier with it. I would use a titanium cone mm. that your pot set into, and it would trap all that heat. Um, and uh, that's what I use the entire length of the continental divide, 14,000 feet. I was cooking on that just fine. Mm -hmm. Still love those. But now, oh, and then I even went to a wood-burning stove for mm. a while, a bush, oh, wow. bush buddy <laughs> from Alaska. The problem with the wood-burning stove, I loved it. It was light. My fuel was all around me. I live in Arizona. It's not that hard to find dry fuel. Yeah. But getting up in the morning before a hunt and having to go find wood to make your coffee, Ugh. no thanks, especially in the snow. Yeah, no, I, I want to no. make my coffee from my sleeping bag. So yes. I, I have gotten softer in, in this area. Um, so now I just I use a regular little like MSR pocket rocket mm -hmm. on, in a canister stove. I hate canisters because when they're empty, you still have to carry them yeah, yeah. out of the woods. <laughs> so I really hate those. But the convenience of them for hunting, mm -hmm. yeah. If I was going on another long hike, I'd, I'd go back to alcohol. But for hunting, I like a canister stove. I'm, I'm the same way. Um, I think there's just a lot to be said about how important efficiency is mm -hmm. like the little things like that matter. Like when you're like, you wake up and you're like, Oh my God, I got to go get wood so I can have coffee. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's time that you could be just sitting there getting ready and be, you're not going to be late going to your glassing spot. Right. Like, because All you're right. not looking for wood. Um, so my, my evolution of stoves, um, I kind of went a little bit backwards. I went, I, I right off the bat used an isobutane full, you know, jet boil system when mm -hmm. I first started, you know, backpack hunting and stuff up yeah. because I'm like, this is what you need. Right. right. And that is a really efficient fuel burning system. Like it, it yeah. doesn't use a lot of the isobutane. You don't get to cook though. It's like if you want to do some, that backstrap or that hard up, you're going to struggle. You know, if you only eat mountain house, those are awesome. Yeah, for sure. I can't um, afford to only eat mountain house though. Yeah, no, we, we, yeah, I'll go into venison after this. Hold on. So, uh, but then I was like, man, you know, these are kind of big, right? They're kind of bulky. So mm -hmm. I'm like, let me, let me dive into this other world of stoves in, over here. So then I used one of those open face, you know, I mean, it basically is a Bunsen burner, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, Optimus Crux light is the one that I had. Yeah. And use that super lightweight bomber little stove. But I'm telling you what, when the wind blew, you're going to take 10 minutes to boil water, you know, right. and now is it worth the weight that you're saving to bring that? Because now you're using four times the amount of fuel. Mm -hmm. So then I went back. Now I went back to use, uh, I use a, a little jet boil now again, yeah. you know, because it, I can bring one small canister with me on a an eight, nine day hunt and yeah. it's fine. Yeah. In terms of like cooking meat back there, dude, I'm, I'm, I've always just, I've started to start a fire, man. And like, stick it on a stick. and yeah, yeah, that's all. Yeah, right. I just put it on a stick. Well, what about things? Cause I, I've never owned a, a jet oil. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, can you do Mac and cheese in there? 
Well, I mean, you can do, uh, so f that's, I should mention or, this. So I, I'm always doing, I'm just boiling water with okay. it. Yeah. I'm not actually cooking so with it. So things like dirty rice or, uh, oh, what are the other, what's the other Zatarans? They have actually, I have to cook for a little bit. Yeah. But. Yeah. You, I mean, there are, there's stoves on the market. I, I know Jetboil has one called a Minimo, I believe, where yeah. you can actually simmer. Um, so you could do something like that, right. you know what I mean, uh, with that. But other than that, I'm a, you know, I just boil water and, gotcha. and, and I have owned just to put this, I, I have the pans and stuff. Right. I never can justify yeah. bringing them though. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so well, what I've settled on, um, and, and, you know, me talking about that line of pots and stoves mm -hmm. I have means I changed my mind. For sure. <laughs> but, but what I use right now and what I'm pretty happy with is. I have the the old Snow Peak titanium pot there it is. with that little fry pan lid mm -hmm. because I don't need that fry pan lid. But if I ever want to just saute up some chunks of venison to throw into whatever noodles I'm eating that night, it's pretty handy to have. There you go. Um, but I have that. I have the canister in there. I have my little fold-out pocket rocket stove. Um, and also in that kit, um, I, I used to, I was adamant about the short handle titanium spoon because mm -hmm. I want to waste the weight of that long handled spoon. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I've, I've given in, uh, I love I mean, burn knuckles too many, all got the too time. Many, yeah, yeah, molten, macaroni and cheese macaroni knuckles. Macaroni and cheese knuckles, yeah. <laughs> Br brutal. And that pot just barely holds, you know, what yeah. I want to eat. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I am I am a convert to the long-handled spoon. Dude, that's a good system, man. Like, I, I, didn't, I never thought about that, like a lid, using a lid as a little yeah. fry pan. That's mm -hmm. pretty cool. Works well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the most important part, and I, you're going to have your opinions here, too, I'm yeah, sure, because we're both coffee drinkers. Oh, okay. um, backcountry coffee is very important to me. That's um, the, 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 the whole so, thing doesn't work if it's not there. Right, right. <laughs> so I, I like, uh, first of all, I like good coffee. Yeah. So I don't want to carry instant with me. Um, I know there's some good instant coffee. And believe me, if I didn't have any, mm -hmm. that'd be fine. Mm -hmm. But if I have the option, I'm going to carry good coffee I like. Um, and I've tried all the different methods of making coffee in the field. And the, the method I have settled on is, let's see, it's a GSI coffee filter. It's got, it's like a little cup filter, um, just soft material. It's got three plastic legs that come down and clip to the sides of your coffee cup. And mm -hmm. then I, I also do carry a titanium coffee cup, a single walled. Sometimes it'd be really nice to have a double walled, though. It's mm -hmm. really cold. But mm -hmm. usually I drink it fast enough. It's not a problem. But anyway, so it's just a little pour-through system. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing is, it weighs nothing. Mm -hmm. um, I have really good coffee, um, super lightweight. I've had the same one that I've had for, shit, years and years and years I've been using this thing. Um so it's very simplistic, but it works. Um, and that's, that's my favorite method. How about you? Yeah, man. Um, so I went from, I've always loved coffee. Okay. Um, but when I started backpack hunting, I actually didn't bring coffee with me and I would just bring like little energy, you know, pre-workout type of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have to like go through the motions of making coffee in the morning. After uh, years of doing that, I finally gave in and I was like, no, like this is, I need coffee. I need to have coffee in the morning. It's just nice sitting there in the dark, drinking a hot cup of yeah. coffee. While you're still in your sleeping bag. Yeah. Um, so I've done, so I've done like a French press thing. There's like several, like backpacking French press type things. I've done that, brought my own coffee beans that I've grinded at home with me, done that. Mm -hmm. The thing that I have landed, oh, I've also done like the via packets and stuff like right. that, right? Like the, I just can't get a strong enough cup using stuff like that. Yeah, it's, I don't know, like, I think it depends on who you are. My buddy loves the the blonde uh, flavor, the via blonde. Yeah, that's not me. I haven't tried it, but the, the one that I've really, like, 
harped on the past few years is uh, the, is a pour over system. This company, Dark Timber, makes this little. Um, and several, I think several other companies do this too, mm-hmm. but they make this little disposable pour over system. Yeah. Um, and those. you just put that over your cup, pour it in there. It's a great coffee. Um, nice. and it, I mean, it is, yeah, it's not, you don't get the bitter coffee face when you, right. <laughs> when you drink that, that's so that, that's what I do, man. Awesome. All right. Let's see. I don't think we left anything out there. You know, again, uh, I will throw out, I would warn against taking, uh, you know, an old school, Boy Scout set of a knife, a fork, and a spoon that clip together. You just don't need all that. Yeah. Take one small aluminum or titanium spoon, and mm-hmm. you're good. Um, and you, you already don't need have a bowl. Eat out of your pot. Right. Um, yep. And uh, yeah, it's uh, keep it simple. And you already have a knife because you're hunting. Right. Yeah. Right. If you, and if you think you need a plate, you can use a freeze dried meal package right. as a plate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's ways to do things yeah. back there. Yeah. Keep it simple. Um, it's really easy to overcomplicate this stuff, especially when you're new to it. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. yeah, I I, I, over, I overdid it. I took like candle candle lanterns and crap with me sure. when I first started. Yeah. Um, all right, so I think that pretty much covers uh, covers cooking anyway. So, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about water. Um, what what do you use to uh, for drinking water? Um, can I can I back up a second there? Yeah, go ahead. Cooking. Yeah. Because uh, the other option here, okay, is not bringing any type of cooking system. Right. And bringing what is called a dry a dry day a dry food bag, right? You know, I have a lot some friends that they will just, um, you know, it's all trail mix and stuff mm-hmm. like that and bars and everything, and they'll they'll pre make um, like packets of oatmeal, putting in put it in freeze dry or a freezer Ziploc bags right. so they can pour some cold water in there and yeah. let that sit there in their backpack for a bit. This saves the whole if if you're depends on the type of person you are right if you're really trying to save weight you technically you do not have to bring a stove with you if you you know what i mean right so you can do it just depends on some of us you know food food makes me smile so i like oh, having, yeah. Yeah, I like, like you food. a nice hot meal especially so. on a cold day yeah so sorry yeah go ahead no you're fine you know i, I didn't go into food because I, I don't know if we're gonna have time no any, any one of these subjects that, we that's turn a whole podcast show. yeah um but but just to touch on it briefly um yeah, you know, there's so many things I go through, but I, I go to Walmart. I don't go to REI. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do Lipton noodle packets. I do mac and cheese. I do sardines. Mm-hmm. Man, did I develop a taste for sardines on some of my long hikes because, you know, you're getting those those fats and those omega-3s mm-hmm. and that stuff that you're not getting from your rice and your right. <laughs> you know, yeah. noodles. Um, and now I love them. And I will tell you this. You get what you pay for with with sardines. <laughs> <laughs> Buy the expensive ones. Um but, uh, and you know, with food, it's funny cause there's certain things that for me are worth the wait mm-hmm. like those, like the, like the sardines, mm-hmm. um, you know, big chunks of uh, summer sausage oh, that yeah. you can just shave off of cheese. Cheese will last for a week in your packing. Believe it or not, it sounds gross, but it gets better. <laughs> it's a little sharper, a little oiler. Um, so I do stuff like that. Um, Snickers bars, the original mm-hmm. energy bar. One thing I don't like that a lot of people carry is instant oatmeal. I found that I get zero energy out of that. Yeah, I'm, and I'm also hungry in like an hour. Right. Yeah. You know, um, on those long hikes, one thing that is it's interesting is you get to know your body because mm-hmm. you're using it all day, every day, mm-hmm. and food becomes a different thing than just this tastes good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an energy source, mm-hmm. and and you're a very in tune and aware to how quickly you burn things up. Mm-hmm. That's why I say Snickers bars because those things will stick with you, man. Yeah, um, 
and uh, but oatmeal, no, nah, it's gone. <laughs> so I do uh, the, on the oatmeal front, man. I do uh, I'll do like rolled oats. Yeah, I've heard that's much better. Yeah, so that sticks to you. So yeah, you can go. You can, if you got money, um, you can go Mountain House. You know, go to REI, load sure. up, and that's awesome. It's good food. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'll sometimes sneak sneak a pack or two in there, but mostly I go to Walmart and, yeah. and I load up there. Um, bagels, uh, too. That's good. Bagels, tortillas, things like that. Yeah. I used to be a bagel guy. Um, lately I've been doing lavash bread, Michael. Sounds fancy. (laughs) It's a, take a piece of lavash bread, tuna packet. uh, You know what I mean? Um, some dehydrated fruit with that. Yeah. Fantastic. You can even get powdered peanut butter now. That stuff wasn't always available. Sure. Options have gotten better over the years. Yeah. Okay. Water. Um, there's two things. Well, okay. I definitely, I carry a water bottle. Typically what I carry is a Gatorade bottle. Um, I carried one Gatorade bottle for 3000 miles in six months and it was as durable and as good a shape as when I started. Mm -hmm. That weighs a quarter of what a Nalgene bottle weighs. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, you might not think that's a big deal, but those ounces, they add up. Mm -hmm. Um, and why not? It's got a wide enough mouth to fill up here and there. So that's what I use. Some people like to use, oh, what are those long water bottles called? Smart bottles. Smart water bottles. Smart water, mm-hmm. yeah. Because you can stick them in your pocket and mm-hmm. easily reach back and grab them. Yep. Um, then, so I carry one bottle, and the primary reason I carry that is so I can fill up out of springs where there's just a trickle or something, or I need to dip it into something. Mm-hmm. But mostly, um, I'm using a bladder system. Mm-hmm. I personally like, oh, shoot. Just the plastic clear, mm-hmm. like 1.7 liter bladders. Okay. Who are those by? You're a, an ambitious fellow, 1.7. <laughs> well, that's, what, am I thinking like this, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I carry three of those. Okay. Um, okay. If, I'm regu- <laughs> if I'm on a regular backpacking trip, I'll take two. Okay. Because that's enough for me to fill up before I camp, have a leisurely dinner um, and, and enough to drink without having to worry about running out. But when I'm hunting, I carry three because if I want to camp up on a glassy knob, mm-hmm. that's going to give me an extra 1.7 liters of water up there. Right. Um, and so I can stay up there all morning in glass and I have to go for water. Yeah. Um, so I'm a, uh, I have ran out of water in the past and being in Arizona, I just, it's just like something that looks like one of I don't want to say it's one of my worst fears, but I'm definitely, I'm definitely, I'm definitely cognizant of it. So I, I'm a bladder guy also. Uh, I always run a three liter bladder, a hundred ounces. And, um, if I'm going into an area, because some of these areas in Arizona, you don't, you can't trust what a map says a lot of times, sure. unless it's a, it's a, uh, per, you know, a perennial uh, river or something like mm-hmm. that, a creek. Um, if there's a spring on a map. There might be water there, right? You know, but I wouldn't bank on it, uh, which is why scouting is incredibly important. You know, get out there and 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 look at this stuff because you'll save weight. Because what I used to do, no, I still do. I'll carry 100 ounces of water in my bag and a Nalgene bottle. The reason I do the Nalgene bottle instead of the Gatorade thing, like you were saying, is Nalgene's not loud. It mm-hmm. doesn't crinkle, which is another reason those guys like using those smart water water bottles because mm-hmm. they don't crinkle. Yeah, you know, trying to be quiet. You know, so. Um, those smart water bottles can also, or they're also compatible with uh, those Sawyer uh, filters. Right. You, you can screw, screw those right on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like, I don't know, man. I, I'm not, I've, I've tried to use squeeze filters in the past. Mm-hmm. And yes, they are very cheap. Yes, um, they're very lightweight. However, every single time I've brought one out into the field, that thing is clogged before I leave. Really? You know, yeah. But do you carry the syringe so you can flush it back the other way? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I've done that with several brands also, not just like the Sawyer, like Catadine has one as well, you know? So, um, so for me coming from Arizona, I'm a pump guy. I always, I always bring a pump with me, man. I've been through the pumps and I hate them. Really? I mean, it's not that they work. Yeah. It's just such a pain. Well, here's one of the reasons is because sometimes like there's spots that I back back into for, for black bears and stuff like that. Um, I've had to filter water out of like a silver dollar hole before. This is, you're not going to, if, if you have a dip system, yeah, I get what you're, saying, you're not yeah. going to be able to get that, right? Right. You might be able to finagle something like work. I've seen guys like, you know, like, you know, put a, you know, take like a leaf or something like that and get like a stream going oh, yeah. out yeah, of that thing that. to try yeah. to, you know what I mean? There's ways to do things. But to me, I'm like, this is time I'm wasting. Right. You know, I'm just going to put my pump in there. And yes, I'm going to sit there and, and I'm going to pump for a bit. And See, it's gonna I feel take like a little that's bit. time I'm wasting where I can set up a gravity filter and go do something else. Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah. It's a good point. Good point. Yeah. But I understand there's they're shortcomings to all of them. But yeah, you know, way, way back in 2000 on the Appalachian Trail, you know, I, I used to... I've been through, you know, the paper or the paper filter pumps, the ceramic filtered MSRs, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but holy hell, man, at the end of a, you know, 25, 30 mile day, the last thing you want to do is go spend 45 minutes pumping water. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I think, so I think I just learned to hate it back then. So, well, I think some of these newer ones, like, um, so it definitely doesn't take me that long yeah. to know. I'm sure they've gotten better. No, I, I, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I'll pump up my water bladder and I mean, it's less than five minutes really for sure like 100 yeah, 100%, yeah. Well, that's good um and then nalgene i'll fill that up and then i'll usually you know something i started doing uh that i did this uh, past year in idaho was you know we had to descend like 800 feet to get water mm-hmm. that's you know that's a climb right so right. we get down there and uh we've actually brought collapsible liter uh, bottles with us right. so we can fill those up, fill them all up at the same time, yeah. bring them all, haul them all back up to camp, leave them at the tent. And then we don't have to make as many trips down right. for water, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't like to have to, you know, be really careful with my water. Yeah. I, I want the luxury of being able to yeah. drink when I want, have coffee. Oh, I mean, um, this is, this is, this is, uh, just from like a health standpoint, like right. a good friend of mine, he suffers from cramping bad. Right. So if this, this oh, is a guy that I do too, that's me. Really? This, oh, yeah. So do you drink a, you, well, you said you drink a lot of water, right? Like mm-hmm. this guy had, this guy's crushing like at least four liters in a day, Yeah. you know, and it's just, it's to avoid cramping. Right. You know, he's a big guy. He's not out of shape by any means. He's just a big guy. Yeah. And, uh, that's super important. So I think it's important to, you, you know, your body too. Like I have in the past on a lot, some of these, these hunts were like, I'm not exactly sure. If like, it's like, yeah, I've gotten water from here before, but some years it's not there. Right. I actually time drinking water. Mm-hmm. So like, I know it's like, okay, when I get done with this switch back here, I get a drink. Yeah. Right. And you kind of ration and stuff. And then I know, okay, I'm, you know, six miles in, I know I need at least one liter to get back to the truck. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, that's all, I mean, that's more nerdy stuff, but like, it just helps you. Sure. I think it helps ease your mind right back there. Cause it's, it, it's easy to go back there and be like, holy shit, <laughs> you, know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like where's water? I'm, I, I'm going to leave, blah, yeah. blah. <laughs> no, I should put more thought into it. Cause I get myself in situations and you know, when I have that, that, you know, leader bladder on my back, I don't even think about it till it's gone. And then I'm like, shit, where am I going to go yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I will say that, uh, what my preferred again, right now, uh, method is I have a, a gravity filter. It was made by this fella out of his garage shop. So I don't mm-hmm. think they're commercially available anymore, but I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically it's just, it's, uh, 
you know, a waterproof material um, that, that's kind of in a bag form. I just scoop up a bunch of water in it. It's got a hose coming out of the middle, and I, I love the Sawyer filters. So mm-hmm. I put those in, Sawyer filters in line mm-hmm. in that tubing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only thing I don't like about them is they can freeze, and I forget yep. Yep. and leave them out. But I've had no problems with clogging. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to, you know, rinse them after every couple of uses. I take a syringe and push the stuff back out. But they are cheap. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, in a pinch, you know, you can just use the tubing and, and stick that tubing down in a crack and, and suck water through it. So I think they're pretty handy and, and the right price for sure. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And they last forever, assuming they're taken care of and they yeah. work properly. But um, so that's what I like. Yeah. All right, man. What's next? We got food. We got water. We got sleeping systems. Um, how about this? You know, you carry a de- like a ditty bag with your like little stuff. Uh, define ditty bag. Okay. Uh, a ditty bag is a small bag that you carry your little things in so for instance in mine i carry some luco tape i used to carry duct tape um, and i don't carry a whole roll of duct tape Mm -hmm. i carry a a small bit of rolled up duct tape and you know this is i I don't want people to take this and uh uh as as yeah i don't know (laughs) i'm basically throwing out a disclaimer here Duct tape or Lucto tape in this case mm-hmm. is also my first aid kit. I don't mm-hmm. carry a first aid kit because there's really not much I can't do without duct tape. So um, maybe not a good idea for everybody, but and hell, I'm getting older. Maybe I should carry a first aid kit. My yeah. wife is convinced I'm going to die in the wilderness. With I, <laughs> I ran into a guy. Um, it kind of changed my thinking on this because in the beginning I was like, oh, yeah, my first aid kit is ibuprofen you know, Luco tape and, you know, maybe some band-aids or something like that. Um, I ran into a guy that had, like totally jacked up his leg mm-hmm. crossing a Creek and he had, I mean, he was like all wrapped up in his, in, his, in like gauze and stuff yeah. like that, like really bleeding pretty bad. And I was like, Holy crap. It's kind of like, I don't know, kind of, I was like, man, maybe I should think about an right. actual first aid kit. So now I carry, um, uh, this is, this is not, uh, that thought out at all i uh adventure medical kit makes a like one person first aid yeah so i carry that i add in some some uh uh, ibuprofen in there um but i have used in there in the past like i've used like you know the antiseptic it's in there like getting like a bad cut i i am notorious dude when i am taking care of an animal I am going to get cut at some point during that whole thing. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Especially if you use the, the disposable scalpel knives. Yeah, if you're doing that, yeah, yeah for I've sure. I've cut myself several times, so, too. Yeah. Never a good feeling, especially whenever there's gut content involved. And Yeah. Yeah, and Leucotape's so multi-purpose, point. man. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and when we're saying Leucotape, it's, I don't know if it's new. It's new to me because I just got discovered a couple of years ago. But, man, that stuff, I mean, if you're sweaty, it doesn't matter. It's going to stick to you. Oh, yeah. You know? Yep. Um, so it used to be duct tape for me. Now it's mm-hmm, Leucotape. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the rest of my bag. So uh, I've got a small lighter. I carry I carry one lighter in my cook kit. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm talking like the little inch and a half tall mm-hmm. plastic picks. I carry one in my cook kit. I also carry an extra in my ditty bag. That way I always have a backup. Um, I carry a compass. Still carry sure. an old school regular yeah. compass uh, on long trips. I like maps, mm-hmm. um, paper maps. Um, I carry a toothbrush, of course, with the handle cut off because I'm hardcore. <laughs> um, <laughs> saving weight. Uh and powdered toothpaste. I love this stuff. Now, really? Mind you, uh, I remember on the Appalachian Trail, I used Tom's toothpaste, even the whitening yeah. variety. Uh-huh. And man, when I got off, my teeth were yellow. Oh, so, really? yeah, I just got rid of that stuff. Interesting. Um, but then I found this uh, powdered whitening toothpaste. You can get it at, I think you can get it at like Sprouts and places like that if you uh-huh. like look in their kind of pharmacy area. Uh-huh. 
Um, but I carry just a little kind of a clear quarter size container. I fill that up with this powdered stuff mm-hmm. and it'll last, it'll last months. Hmm. Um, yeah. Interesting. And, and it works well. So oh, I'm really, awesome. really pleased with that. I, uh, my dentist uh, talks with me extensively about my backcountry adventures. Mm-hmm. So every time after I uh, go in and get like a cleaning or something like that, they always give me like the little tiny travel toothpastes, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. they're like, oh, you could bring this with you. So that's what I bring. And there's also like a little tiny, I like flossing. It yeah. makes me feel better. Sure. Um, so I bring a little, there's a little ultralight thing in there as well. I do not cut the toothbrush uh, handle because um, I'm, I'm tougher uh, than my Um, (laughs) carry that extra weight um but uh just to reflect back on some of those other things that you said i also i carry an actual compass with me Mm -hmm. as well i carry a flint uh flint and steel uh, Mm -hmm. yep mm -hmm. um and then also there's this cool stuff uh you could probably like get away with this with the Luco tape, but I also carry tenacious tape with me. Oh yeah. Which is I've like, never used it. it's, you could like repair, like say you like, you got like a hole in your tent or something like yeah. that. You could like repair something. Honestly, like I've struggled with the Luco tape, uh, patching holes. Really? Yeah. I don't know, man. It kind of sticks to itself. So yeah. to use big pieces of it's kind of yeah, hard, yeah, but yeah. you know what I did? I did a, uh, man, I, I just kind of lucked out. I, I poked a hole in my tent a few years ago and my sleeping pad actually had like little like a patch kit in there and i used that to put on the tent and it worked fine oh that's great you know i should throw that out there with the inflatable sleeping pads i've used up all of those patches (laughs) um and and i've bought more and used half of those so it does happen yeah so um all right rest of my little my ditty bag um i carry a small swiss army knife Mm -hmm. i mean i find it useful for so many things and granted yes i'm carrying a knife Mm -hmm. because i'm hunting um, usually I'm carrying two. I'll usually carry a small fixed blade, stouter knife, and then I'll carry a replaceable blade mm-hmm. knife. But that little uh, Swiss Army knife, you got those little scissors so you can do your nails, uh, cut your nails. And this is, again, for longer trips. Mm-hmm. Um, toothpick is in there. The tweezers, limitless uses there. Oh, yeah. oh, so yeah. it's just, for me, that's worth the wait. And it's a, that little, you know, two-inch long mm-hmm. uh, Swiss Army knife. Um, cordage. Now, typically when I'm hunting, I'm going to have cordage in my kill kit anyway. So... Uh, but if I wasn't, I would carry some there. Yep. Uh, headlamp, um, man, I had a, a bear hunt. Um, and right before coming off this mountain, still probably six miles deep, um, really rough, back and forth, switchbacks, steep drop-offs, headlamp went out, just quit working. Is that that spot I sent you into? Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. that's awful. Um, and I was carrying out loads of meat, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, went out. I had to find my way down this thing with, you know, hundred pounds on my back yeah. in the rocky terrain with no headlamp. Oh my um, but, uh, I could see my buddy down below me. I could see his headlamp. So I kind of tried to follow where he went, but, there you go. uh, so since then I've started carrying, um, a little one ounce, uh, e-light, uh, headlamp. And quite honestly, that's the only light I carried uh, entirely six months through grizzly country on, on the continental divide. All I had was that e-light, but <laughs> I wasn't doing anything at night. Yeah. You know, sure. I was cooking and going to sleep. Right. So I didn't need much. But now I carry that as a backup mm-hmm. just because of that one time. Because, man, that was rough. Yeah. That, so. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, did, you, did you ever find out what happened to it? No, I sent it back and told them I wanted something different. They sent me the same one. So far, it's still working. Huh. So I was just wondering, it was like, wondering if, like yeah. batteries. It was a black diamond. I mean, oh, it was really? one of their nicer yeah. Interesting. models. Interesting. I, uh, while you're going there, I, so I carry, um, are we, do you want to touch on Kill Kit? after this or might as well it's tough man because like i said all this stuff it's 
we could go. We, we haven't talked about clothes yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Let, let's just go for it. Let's go. Okay, so I'll go headlamp um, here. Could you just mention that? Mm-hmm. Um, I always carry a headlamp with me. I like a headlamp that has um, a red setting on it. Yeah. Um, for hiking in in the dark, um, you know, to your glassing spot, so critters aren't finding. Yeah, the you. idea is they can't see a red speck. The idea is, yeah. yeah. I also like Make you it. Feel better if it. it the other thing with it, though, is I like it around camp when you're with your buddies. So you don't go like this. I'm facing Michael right yeah. now, by the way. And we're talking at, at night, and I'm just blinding oh, yeah, you with the white sure. light. The red light is nice for that. Yeah. Um, and um, I will always carry um, one extra set of batteries. Um, I, I start with fresh and make sure I have one extra set. Me too, yeah. I use uh, a rechargeable set. That'll charge every time before I leave, and yeah. then I have an extra lithium set in my backpack for cool. me. Um, as far as kill kit goes, man. So, you said you carry. You like the? Do you like those replaceables? I do. Yeah. Um, they don't. I mean, I, I will go through probably three of those for a mule deer. Mm-hmm. I'll go through five of those with an elk. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they're light, they're mm-hmm. small, and it's just nice to have a sharp knife. And I'm not a good, good at knife sharpening. Never have been. Yeah. I, I, uh, so the, I mentioned earlier, I cut myself, uh, quite a bit. I'm pretty good at that. So the scalpel thing is a not, was not a good combination they're, they're for dangerous. me. Um, they also break. They're not that durable. Oh, yeah. well, um, that, that's, I also carry a little, uh, SE, um, uh, Zulu yep. knife, stiff, small, mm-hmm. stiff, you know, yeah. uh, fixed blade knife um, for cutting around joints and stuff. So for me, I, I did a way and the, they're lightweight. The, the replaceable blades, they're lightweight and stuff. Know, but I use the Taito. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple good brands out there. They're light. Um, I like an actual knife. I carry an actual fixed blade knife with me. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of flop between, usually it's a, a little bit of a deeper bellied blade, yeah. you know, for skinning and stuff. Um, I just like the feel of that, you know, and I also carry, um, I used to carry a little ultralight sharpener in my kill kit as yeah. well. Carbide rod on there. Um, now at the belt that I wear is actually a sharpener. Uh, I know those are cool. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Fully, fully, like fully functional. Yeah. Fully functional. If anyone wants to check this out, it's a belt that has a, um, it's a fully functional field sharpening kit. Um, it's called the Kodiak belt on the backside of the, of the belt buckle is a diamond plate, 800 grit diamond plate. There's a carbide rod along the top of the belt buckle, and then there's a leather strop on the actual belt itself. So you have you can fully like reshape a yeah. blade on there. So, anyways, um, with that, um, I also you know depending on the species, I don't know how many game bags you carry. Um, I would carry. Let's see. I, I use the shit. I can't remember the brand. Um, but yeah, I would have a bag for each quarter, and then I would have another bag for back straps, heart, things like that, liver. So, um, I'll carry like for a mule deer. Um, if now this depends on if I'm by myself or if I'm mm-hmm. bringing somebody with me, <laughs> um, cause I would prefer to keep the meat on the bone. It's just easier yeah. to deal with when you get home. Oh, yeah. You get bone stock that way too. But, uh, if I got a hunt coming up here in the next few weeks, I'm going to be by myself. Uh, there is no way that those bones are coming out with right. me. Yeah, I get it. So I'll probably carry two, uh, game bags and that's it. Yeah. And that'll take care of all of the meat. Right. Yeah. So if you're not carrying, yeah, you, 
I, I follow you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I could fit like a whole, pretty much a whole boned out mule deer in one right. game bag, and then like, you know, maybe I'll use the other one for scraps or you know to wrap the head up yeah. or something like that. One thing I do like with game bags is to have enough that through most of the processing or field processing process, mm-hmm. I have just the things that I can lay meat on. Yeah, you know, so it's, mm-hmm. I'm not laying it in the dirt. Um, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, it works for me. Um, I, I take the kits, uh, but you know, the thing I wish I could remember the brand. I think caribou bags. Oh yeah. Um, and the reason I'm even mentioning that is because I've used these over and over for mm-hmm. several animals, and I just wash them and I keep reusing them. Yeah. So I mean, if I'm hunting javelina, I take well, actually, I'll take two because usually I'll take one for the heart, mm-hmm. um, and and you know maybe the liver if I I've not really kept a javelina liver yet, but I'm really curious about it. <laughs> um, but uh so i'll take one for parts um and then i'll take a big bag thing so i'll have lean and then that's only if i'm hunting in an area where i'm gonna run into people really because usually i just strap the heavily to my back and carry it out that way mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. so yeah they're useful i got a, I have a one kit that's for deer and i have one kit that's for elk and up till now between those two kits have served me for everything i've ever chased yeah i'm i have i'm i'm the same i have one kit for elk and one for everything but elk i'll say like deer bear um and then i also carry some flagging tape in there as well yeah i haven't done that maybe i should though makes sense yeah i mean you get on a tough blood trail it's nice to be able to yeah and man you know i've done that and you you know you think you're going to remember a spot Mm -hmm. and when you want to go back and 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 start fresh you know yep it's so hard to find that spot again that's a really good idea i should throw some in my bag so yeah, that's that's my kill kit. Oh, uh, I'm a glove guy. I carry some heavy duty gloves. Yeah, yeah. I oh. uh, I get made fun about. I get made fun of well, for this. Honestly, it's for me. It's not because I'm like worried about you know things are gonna get me. It's just nice to stay clean. You know? Yeah, dude. That's what I'm saying. Like blood. I'm just like, well, I'm take these off and then I'm done. Yeah. Like there's no right. <laughs> like I don't know. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I carry them too. I, and it depends on what animal I'm chasing. If it's an elk, I might carry three pairs. You yeah, because you're gonna go through them. Sure. Um, but yeah, usually at least two pairs of relatively like heavy duty latex mm-hmm. gloves. Um, the cordage too. You mentioned cordage. I I don't really bring paracord really? with me because the game bags I use have 550 cord in them. So. That's fine. What do you mean the game bags use? Well, what the about dr- like the draw cord that's on the okay. game bag? Well, I'm talking like a long length because I'll throw it over a limb, tie it around uh, the Achilles heel of a elk and hike that leg up while I'm working on it. That way, when I make that last cut, it just swing in there. Oh, uh, yeah. There you go. So when I do that, um, yours, your way sounds easier. I've done both like hanging stuff and laying it on the ground. I think both of them have their pros and cons. Most of the time I just bring a big uh, contractor bag yeah. and I just put that down and that's what I bone meat out right. on. Um, but yeah, the, the game bags, I hang them in that too. It's yeah. totally, I mean, yeah. totally and, and I will say this for a long piece of cordage as well. And then usually it's a paracord, but I, I have had on late evening hunts when you're deep uh, mm-hmm. miles out and you're not going to get, you know, two loads out in, in one, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to have to go back the next morning and be able to hang that meat up, keep sure. it away from critters. Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah. also keep it cool. Yeah, that stuff can also that's that's also multi-purpose. If you are using like a game bag that has um, like a paracord type system in it mm-hmm. for, as a drawstring, that can if you're bow hunting, that could actually be used to repair your drop away rest. Yeah, uh, the cord yeah. on there. So that's a good point. Or a boot lace that breaks. That's right. another. Yeah. Awesome. Had friends do that. Yeah, I don't think we'd leave anything else. At least not in my bag. Uh, gloves, game bags, cordage, knives about it right yeah yeah um and i just like calling it a kill kit too because it gets it gets uh looks from people who don't hunt it's got a nice bounce to it yeah (laughs) um so i I usually throw my tags in there as well that way everything's in one spot yeah 
All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about clothes. Um, I will say, I'm pretty minimalist here. Um, I always have a puffy. Mm -hmm. I have two different puffies. It depends on how cold it is, depending on which one I'm going to carry. Mm -hmm. Puffies are great. They're both down. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, and one of them, uh, it's the first light. I forget which one, but holy cow, man, it's the big big dog. Yeah, Chamberlain. Yeah, Yeah, the Chamberlain. God, it's nice. I don't use it all the time, but when I need it, oh, it's nice to have. Oh yeah. So depending on the weather, I'll carry one of those. Um, I always carry a rain jacket. I rarely carry rain pants. If it's really cold, I'll carry them. But mm-hmm. usually if it's rain, I'm not going to find a rain pants. I'm going to sweat so much on that stuff mm-hmm. anyway that's pointless. Yeah. Um, I'll usually just tip, typically, and I, I hunt in shorts sometimes too. Um, <laughs> so weird. <laughs> dude, it's hot. It's Arizona. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've gotten away from it more just yeah. because of the briars. Sometimes yeah. it's just like, man, this is not worth it. I'm yeah, going to yeah, rip yeah, shreds yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, but typically I will carry one pair of pants, and I will carry – one shirt. When I say one shirt, I'll also usually take a, a, a long underwear, uh, a merino wool mm-hmm. base layer. Um, but that's it. If I get wet, I wear the clothes till they dry. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said earlier, I always keep a pair of long underwear dry in my bag. So no matter if it gets really cold and I'm borderline hypothermic, I have dry clothes I can get on into mm-hmm. in a dry sleeping bag. Mm-hmm. And that that's everything to me. But yeah, that's about it, man. Um, I will carry typically... Two pairs of socks, sometimes three because I really like fresh socks, and I'll mm-hmm. wear them two days in a row, so a six-day trip. Sure. I can get by in three pairs. If it's longer than that, I just rinse them out. There, them, yep. Hang them off the back of my pack, which takes forever to dry, but they do. Um, but, yeah, that's about it, man. I'll carry a hat. Uh, I always carry a, a beanie, some kind of warm hat. Mm-hmm. Um, but that pretty much covers it. I'll carry a gator to add warmth. And, you know, sometimes mornings on a glass of knob get pretty damn mm-hmm. cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, gloves. Only when needed, but sometimes I carry those. Uh, I keep it pretty simple on clothes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm pretty similar uh, to you. Um, so I am, I'm a, uh, depending on the trip, so that, like this hunt I have coming up, it's going to be, I'll be packed in for six days. I'll probably just bring two pairs of socks with me and I mm-hmm. interchange them throughout the trip. Um, have like a little bit of paracord system. And you and should add to that wool. Yes. Yeah, you don't want to wear yes. cotton socks because no, they no, no, no. stink like hell. Yeah, and... so I use a like it's a wool nylon blend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, the, ni- I think the nylon hits uh, more durable. It also helps with fit, in my opinion. And, oh, yeah? Yeah, helps keep it tighter. Um, so, I, yeah, I use that. Um, uh, I do not keep something dry uh, to get into back at the back of my camp. That's an interesting point, something I might think about for later season mm-hmm. stuff. But what I have done in the past, like we – I mean, this bear hunt we were on in Idaho back in May, um, it was literally the worst weather I've ever hunted in in my life. Like, it was like, oh, yeah, we're just going to rain and snow for 14 hours at a time. Yeah. Or it's going to be in our tent. So things got wet. So the way that we got around that was uh, you were mentioning, like, having a dry set of stuff back at the camp. Um, Well, we were just getting in our bags wet. And the the insulation of you being in your bag will dry out dry your clothes. Out. Yeah, yeah. So if you get into yeah, so it just it just sucks doing it. Though. It sucks, dude. It really yeah. does. Um, I would just like if that happens, I would like take off a good portion of your clothes, stuff them down in the bottom of your bag, because yeah. uh, you're gonna warm up quicker with less layers up top, mm-hmm. um, and just let them dry. But so for me, uh, clothing wise, I'm going. Um, Two pairs of socks, usually two pairs of underwear on like a week long trip like that. Yeah. Um, one pair of pants, ultra light, uh, usually like a nylon or a merino type blend pant, um, depending on where I am. Um, uh, up top, I go a, uh, a lightweight 
um, ba merino base layer. And then I'll do a mid-weight merino base layer over that. Mm -hmm. um, and then sometimes, like, depend it just, just the weather is so dependent on this. Like, sometimes I'll bring a real ultra-light down vest, and then I'll throw my puffy jacket over that. Nah, not a bad idea. Most, that vest would be nice to sleep in, too. Yeah, most of the time in Arizona, I get away with just those base layers and a puffy. Right. Like, that's it. Right. And I'm just like you. I always carry, if I'm backpack hunting, I have rain gear with me. Yeah. Um, I do carry rain pants with me. It's not, it's more so, I found them actually more useful um, for being a wind blocker. You right. know, like if you're up there. Yeah. It, you know, I've used them on uh, in other regions, and just yeah. in Arizona. And I'm one of those guys who can run around in shorts in sub-zero temperatures and be comfortable. That's, but yeah. As long as we are not bodies. the same there. Um, so, uh, yeah. And if it's going to be real cold, I'll bring like a full, uh, mm -hmm. extra puffy with me, an ultralight puffy, and that'll go underneath the main puffy. Yeah. Awesome. So. Yeah. It sounds almost, uh, parallels my system as well. Um, again, I think it's something that's easily overdone. Mm -hmm. People take mm -hmm. too much stuff. Absolutely. But, well, I, I think we, what we've done is we've rounded out at least everything that I would take, um, excluding maybe the kill kit on a regular backpacking trip mm -hmm. too, you mm -hmm. know, even if I wasn't hunting. So clearly we've gone a long time. Um, but let's, uh, let's just go ahead and keep going a little bit more. Um, and just talk about some of the stuff that we carry that is specific to hunting without getting into the details. Cause we go sure. all day on this, but so yeah, like I said, that's the backpacking kit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but for hunting, of course, you know, uh, you're going to throw in a few extra things. Um, this is going to be more weight and this is yeah. a, a, all the more reason to be careful about what you're packing, everything else that we've talked about mm -hmm. and, and watch those ounces there. But um, especially here in Arizona, I'm always going to have, at the very minimum, binoculars. Um, I will probably carry those in, in a chest harness system. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, I'm going to have a tripod as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. Uh, same thing. If, if you were to, I would say like, uh, so Arizona, we, we live and die by our glass here. Mm -hmm. um, spot and stock hunting is pretty big here. Uh, I'd say like the nucleus, if you would, of my optic system is going to be a range finder and 10 by 42 binoculars with a tripod. Yeah, Depen that's exactly what I carry. Depending on what species I'm hunting will dictate if I bring a spotting scope, Right. as will the country. My, my budget and income dictate whether I carry a spotting scope. <laughs> I don't have one. I need one. Well, you can... You should rent one, man, if you ever need I one. Know. No, I know. I mean, I've been with buddies, and I know how imperative they are. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm not a huge antler guy. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. I like antlers. Mm -hmm. and, and this sure. year, I have a mule deer tag, and I'm going to spend the time to look for something with antlers mm -hmm. this year. Mm -hmm. um, specifically because my wife has a mule deer tag, too, and there we can shoot go. anything with hers. That's awesome. Um, so it's going to afford me the, the luxury of, of taking a little more time. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, you know, there's so many times I see deer with my binoculars, mm -hmm. even even on the tripod, and I don't even know if it's a buck or not. Yeah, know, well, especially, yeah, there, coos so. deer, right? Coos right, deer, they're tough, right. man, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's one of these days. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll do that, but damn, they're expensive, the, especially if you like good glass. The, the turning point for me with that was I was always like a real, um, I'm only going to use binoculars, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you can't see the antlers, just get closer. That's how I used to think. Right. Um, and then I got a real ultralight spot spotter, 50 millimeter, real small, great system uh -huh. for Arizona. But then after that, I went high country mule deer hunting where the country's real big. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is yeah. not enough. And at that point you are, there's this line. We, 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 we've said this word several times throughout this podcast, efficiency, mm -hmm. you know, what is this? And I think the question you need to ask yourself with, with all this hunting stuff is, is, is this going to actually help me be successful? Yeah. 
you know, and I think there is a point where, you know, certain optics, yes, it's going to, if you have a bigger optic with you, it's going to save you less hiking. Right. You're going to be able to really peer into these like dense areas and glass more efficiently. So I agree. Yeah. yeah. Good, good glasses game changer here. And I, I'm going to, I'll probably reach out to you when I start doing my shopping there, but man, stuff's expensive and this isn't the only hobby I got. So, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that is one, one big hole in my kit is it's a good spotting scope, but I'll get there. Um, so other things that I would carry with me, um, that, uh, when I'm specifically hunting, um, you know, obviously bow, rifle, arrows, ammunition, sure. all that sure, kind of sure. jazz. Um, you're a face paint guy. I've noticed. I am. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I get made fun of for that too, but you know what? Um, face paint, here's my reasoning for face uh-huh. paint. So I, I mostly 90% of my hunts are bow hunts. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm bow hunting, like you're shooting a bow, I really, really think there is value in being able to feel the string on your face in terms of accuracy. Right. If you're putting too much pressure on your face with your string, that can cause a little bit of torque on the shot, Mm -hmm. cause you to have left, right misses. So because of that, I wear face paint and I can feel all my anchor points fine and I'm killing two birds with one stone. You know, I do believe I'm a camo guy, dude. Like, and this is it. This is it. This could be a whole nother podcast, right? Like does camo actually work? Right? Like I, I do feel like camo does give you an advantage, even if it's a half a percent. Well, sure. I mean, you're a mammal and if there's a dude out in the woods dressed in all solid colors, Mm -hmm. Versus a dude out there dressing camouflage, who are you going to pick out quicker? Well, yeah, it's that's that's what it is, you know. And it's it. I've had I've just had too many of these experiences where, you know, like one time the thing that really sold me on like camouflage technology was I had a coos deer walk up uh, to eight feet of me mm-hmm. uh, when I was bow hunting, and I was not in a blind. And this it was a doe, you know. Uh, this doe walks up and is like really i mean she's like looking through me almost it seems and start stomping her foot and stuff and yeah. i just didn't move and all of a sudden she just goes yeah and then just calmly walks off right and i'm like holy crap dude like that's never happened to you before ever so like breaking up your outline i think there's value there and I, so i think taking the sheen off of your face this is a game of inches, this bow hunting yeah. thing, right? Taking the sheen off of your face, taking the sheen off of your hands. Right. I've been busted by uh, a deer seeing a, the glint of my broadhead. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, you know I, I don't mean? disagree with this at yeah, all. Yeah, these there's little these little things little matter. Things matter. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, I have face paint on my list here. Um, I carry a little thing of indicator. Sure. Um, constantly, and that's usually in my bino harness. I'm checking the wind mm-hmm. probably every five minutes. You know, mm-hmm. uh, just always keeping that on the forefront of my mind. Um, phone Onyx maps. I mentioned I like paper maps on long trips mm-hmm. because you know your phone can fail on you. Sure, sure. Um, you know, and fortunately Arizona is not the easiest place to get lost. You know, <laughs> um, you can you can see everything. Yeah. Um, but uh, but still you can, um, and people do. Uh, I like maps. I like a compass. Um, but I also love my phone and Onyx maps. Yeah, so, me too. <laughs> that's that's what I use ninety nine point. Well, hell, hundred percent of the time usually. Yeah. But I like to have a backup if that were to fail. Yeah. Same. Um, but yeah, of course, I guess I'm getting old enough. I come from a different time though, and you know, this stuff wasn't available. Yep. Uh, portable charger is not a bad idea for really long trips. With that said, if you put your phone on on airplane mode, it'll last days. In oh yeah. Most cases. Oh yeah. So. I mean. Eight day trip. Um, I might have to put it on the charger once. Right. Yeah. On the air and airplane mode. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I'm also a guy that, like, even 
even if there's service, I'm, my phone's on airplane mode. I'm right. not like, it's just not <laughs> worth that. That adds a whole nother element to things. Like it takes my focus off what I'm doing and just, yeah, but you see more animals if you're like scrolling through a social feed. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, if, if, you, if something's going to come close, that's when it's going to happen. Pumped so. up your tires. Yeah. All right. So. Um, and then the only thing I think we've pretty much got people ready to go on a backpack hunt here, at least, you know, with the bare minimum, what you really need to have. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. might want some other stuff, but this is what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I would add is I never, ever leave on a hunting trip without, depending on what I'm chasing, one to two big coolers. I don't remember how many quarts mm-hmm. they are, mm-hmm. gallons they are. Mm-hmm. But, um, and one of them I, I keep in my freezer. Um, usually by the time hunting season is starting, my freezer's got a lot of space in it, so I can mm-hmm. keep a bunch of frozen water jugs in there. Yep. Um, and I fill up one cooler with those water jugs, and I leave the other one empty. I don't open the one with the ice in it until I have an animal. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, I've, and also I have backup fresh water, which yep. is great. Um, but uh, but yeah, you don't want to get an animal down in Arizona and not have a way to get that meat cool. Yeah, no, that yeah, super super good point there. I've done the same thing in the past. Um, ice, ice gets expensive. You know what I mean? Like if you're going out hunting a lot like that, every time you're going out, yeah, and it's not going to melt and turn to water anyway. Yeah, so exactly. I, I like the jugs. And plus, yeah. um, the jug thing is a lot better when you get something down because it doesn't, it's not going to waterlog your meat. Yeah. You can take one of those jugs, stick, stick it up in the cavities and yeah. Yeah, cool everything down really yep. nice. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of that um, system. I also, uh, we never, we never mentioned, I also bring an inReach with me. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, my wife works for a heart hospital and I'm 47 now. Uh-huh. I feel great. But, um, <laughs> she's convinced I'm going to kill over. Um, and she really wants me to have one. And I'm like, man, but I could take that money and I could spend it on this instead. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll see. I may end up with one of those scenes, but quite honestly, I don't know anything about them because I've never carried one. Yeah. So I, uh, the thing that did it for me was, was, um, you know, a lot of these areas, you know, they don't have self-service and stuff. And I, like you, I do a lot of solo stuff, you know, like not everyone can always get out, you know. So my wife, it was just more of a peace of mind, you know, like being yeah. able to um, communicate with my wife when I'm out. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's long periods of time. And what I used to do, I remember like leaving a note, like detailed directions, you know, with my wife of where I'm going to yeah, be parked. Those and, always change. And then, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And so, so, uh, how the inReach works is basically, um, I mean, it looks like a handheld GPS and it is, uh-huh. it functions as a GPS, but every single time you send your wife or whatever, a message, a text message, um, she gets a pin of exactly where you are, Yeah, you know, so it's a great idea, really cool stuff. There's an SOS button on there just in case, you know, uh, things go South, you know, I've heard stories about that. Luckily I've never had to do that before. My wife's, um, uh, old colleague though, uh, he actually fell, broke both of his ankles, was laying in the bottom of right. the Canyon, hit that SOS button, helicopter came in and got him mm-hmm. out, you know, so what has me considering it? is when I'm out with my little boy. Mm-hmm. I, I say my little boy. I mean, my little girl's great too. Um, mm-hmm. But usually we don't do the deep stuff yet. She's a little younger, but we will eventually. Sure, sure. But when I'm out with him, it's like now I've gotten in the habit. It's like, hey, this is where the keys are mm-hmm. in this specific location. You know, it might be a couple of days before somebody drives back here. But if you get to the truck, there's water in it. Stay there. Don't yeah. leave. Um, but the idea of being on, on a, in a deep wilderness backpack hunt and something happening to me mm-hmm. and that little man out there mm-hmm. lost and alone and scared. Oh God, it breaks my heart. Um, so kids, just the idea of it. So kids I'm willing will, to, I'm willing to get one now. Yeah. Kids will make you think kids give you a new perspective. They sure. Things, do. Man. Yeah. 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 All right, man. Um, I think we did a pretty good job covering stuff. Uh, like I said, any one of these things could have been a whole, whole, talk oh, yeah. on its own. 
But um, let's. Uh, I want to get back with you uh, maybe next year. Uh, let's do one on bear hunting. Cause cool. God, I love bears. I love chasing them. I love eating them. Yep. Um, they're, they're an underrepresented animal. God, they're just magnificent. And we got some, some great bears here in Arizona. We do. I just, uh, my mouth is watering now because literally just, what was it, last night or the night before, um, I was fortunate enough to get some fat off the spring bear I just uh-huh. killed in Arizona. Oh, nice. Oh, man. Dude, if you have never tried bear meat fried in bear fat that's delicious and you can do that right in camp oh yeah yes yeah it's 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 living Uh (laughs) okay that's good yeah well you're lucky man spring bear huh that must have been a healthy bear yeah oh yeah yeah he was uh i mean there wasn't it's not like a fall one where you're skinning fat to get to the meat right but he had fat on yeah i'm not like josh i've killed exactly two bears (laughs) um but one was a fall bear and it was loaded with just delicious fat Um, it was heavy i carried it all out of there but man it was worth it um and then i killed another one in what was that it was the uh early archery in 22 north yeah i remember Um, yeah yeah yeah, with your bow zero fat nothing Mm -hmm. so yep but yeah, hopefully I get one this year too. Cool. Hopefully he's loaded up. Yep. But Josh, thank you so much, man. Absolutely. Um, before we go though, quickly tell people, you know, you do a lot of cool stuff. Um, where can people find this stuff? Um, yeah. So I do. tell about your book too. Oh yeah. Michael's way better at promoting my book than I am. Um, <laughs> so I wrote a book. It's called Becoming a Backpack Hunter. Uh, has a lot to do with what we talked about today. Um, you can find it on Amazon. Just search Becoming a Backpack Hunter and it'll pop up. Um, if you want to link up with me, I'm always happy to talk to people like you were saying, man, I, I love talking about this stuff. So you can search uh, on all the social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, just search Dialed In Hunter, and uh, that's me. And then I uh, also have a website, dialedinhunter.com, and you can get a hold of me there too. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. You bet. Appreciate it. All right, bud. Good luck this season. Thanks. See you. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that episode as much as I enjoyed doing it. Uh, Obviously, backpacking is something near and dear to me. Um, My life has been shaped by it, and uh, it's something I still do today and share with my family. I also still get those solo trips in the mountains in myself. Those are much needed. And uh, so if you're you're a hunter and haven't considered backpacking, by all means, uh, you should check it out. Uh, It adds a whole new layer of adventure. It gets you into that backcountry where those older age class animals live. And if you're a hiker and a backpacker already and you've considered hunting, take that plunge. You're already halfway there. If you enjoyed this podcast, uh, please note that it's made possible by the Arizona Wildlife Federation. And uh, consider clicking a link down below and throwing some support their way. You know, know that uh, Arizona Wildlife Federation is a very pragmatic bipartisan science-based organization and we work very hard to stay that way i also i like to say that you know conservation is not partisan and we are the only conservation organization in the state that keeps our finger on the pulse of the legislature down at the capitol you know it's not necessarily a fun place for guys and gals like me who like to play outside to to be and work but that's that's where these important battles are fought and we're there every year stomping down the bad bills and lifting up the good ones that are concerning wildlife public lands access so yeah consider consider being a supporter of our organization we'd appreciate that and until next time we'll see you again in two weeks thanks so much